<laughs> hey, welcome, welcome to, to Beyond the, the Test Tube, a science, science podcast. podcast. So, welcome to the podcast, Andrea. Thank you for coming on today. Yeah, I know we're start we're talking about your research project, but I think maybe we should start off on what a herpetologist is, because you and I are both herpetologists. Yeah, lumped awkwardly into this one uh, one group. Yeah, um, the study of amphibians, reptiles. I guess that's it, right? Pretty yeah. I, I think I think technically you could include fish, certain fish, but okay. nobody does. Fish have their own. Fish get ichthyology, mm-hmm. but like amphibians and reptiles don't get their own separate thing. Which is so weird. Because lumped into herpetology. They're, they're d- pretty different, like... Yeah. <laughs> they're not closely related. It would make more sense to absorb birds and reptiles into one group. Yes. And then have amphibians have their own, like, discipline of study. Yeah. Because, like, I'm a, I'm a big frog person. That's what I do. And I know pretty little about snakes. Yeah. Yeah. The number of times, like, I've had people ask me frog questions, and I'm like, I don't know. Like, I study squamates. I can tell you... I can answer your question about squamates. But I don't really know anything about amphibians. <laughs> I know they exist. <laughs> That's not true. I know more than a lot of people, but right? like, not more than you. <laughs> some like, people actually study some. Like, I know more than the average person about snakes, probably, but not more than that. Like, Yeah. Yeah, same for me with, yeah. with amphibians. I'm like, they got thin skin. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much the opposite of snakes. <laughs> yeah, they have, they're really, they have very thick skin. And, and that's what you're into, right, is studying, well, squamates, snakes. Yeah, so we don't, uh, um, squamates are lizards and, and snakes, uh, and we don't have much for lizards uh, in this particular part of Canada, um, yeah. so it's just snakes for, for me. Is there, is there a skink, like, on the southern part? There is. There's a five-line skink lives in, like, the extreme south of Ontario. Okay. Um, but I don't think they've ever been sighted in Ottawa. If they have, it's either wrong or very rare. <laughs> okay, because I went hiking out with a friend, and they thought they saw a lizard. And I was like, there's no lizards here. That's so weird. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, there are skinks. But then I talked to my supervisor, and he's like, there's none in Ottawa. And I was like, I knew it. Yeah, he I wasn't... think they're pretty far south. Like... Yeah. If you're in Toronto, maybe I could, or like not in Toronto, I don't think there's any skinks in downtown Toronto, but if you're like out in the, you know, whatever green space they have there, I haven't been to Toronto in a really long time, so I don't know what they have for like parks and stuff, but um, there you might see a skink. That would probably. be cool. But not in, yeah, not in Ottawa. So I don't know, maybe they saw a salamander. Oh yeah, maybe that, and just... It, it was, was a moving big salamander. Really slowly. <laughs> if it was moving fast, it was probably one of those squirrels. Oh yeah. <laughs> Times that I've been out in the field and I'll see something hop, and I'm like, oh my god, it's like a frog, and then it just like pops really, really fast away. I'm like, okay, there's no frog that moves. <laughs> <laughs> those those squirrels. Yeah. <laughs> so what got you interested in in snakes? Like, where did the passion come from? Um. So when I was uh, a kid, my my brother and I used to 
Um, and, my, and our dad, we, we would go in the woods and um, like catch various things and bring them home. Mm-hmm. And we had a garter snake at one point um, that we caught in the woods and we just like kept in a tank in our house. And she had babies while we were, while we had her. Um, and so like garter snakes are one of the species that has live birth, which is really cool. Um, and that was kind of, I think where the interest started, I was actually like, I was a scared kid. I was scared of everything. I was scared of snakes when I was a kid. I was scared of spiders. I was scared of like everything. So like I was super freaked out by having the snake in the house. Um, and like, as I kind of got a little bit older, I was really, well, like we released her, right? Like we had her for maybe a month tops and then we let her go and the, 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 the babies as well. But I was like, as I got older, I was embarrassed by the fact that I was like really scared of stuff. So it was like exposure. I did my own kind of exposure therapy by just like going into the woods and picking everything up. And I was like, actually snakes are really cool. They, you know, they have to navigate the world with no limbs. And they also have like this, they thermoregulate environmentally. So that's really interesting. Um, and there's just, there's a lot about them that's that's really cool. So I, I it came from a place of fear. <laughs> And then turned into something that, like, genuine interest. That's awesome. Yeah. So nice. Aren't baby snakes just so cute? They're adorable. Like, they're tiny little noodles, but their heads are, like, disproportionately big. (laughs) So they're just, like, really silly looking. Oh, my God. So precious. Yeah. They're, they're really cute. We found we find some in the field occasionally, and it's like, oh, my God, this is, like, you are so new. They're, like, really shiny and, like, really soft because, like, they're, they haven't, they, they're just brand new to the world. Oh <laughs> they're God. really cute. That's so they're cute. Very good. Um, so what, what kind of research do you do with snakes? Um, so I'm looking into, um, what I want to know is, like, whether road density affects population size of of kind of the two most abundant species of snakes in the kind of the capital region. So garter snakes and um, red belly snakes. So basically what we've been doing is going into fields like along a gradient of road density. So from kind of like relatively urban, I mean, we're not like in downtown Ottawa, but we're in pretty very urbanized areas. And then um, to much less urbanized areas like in the Greenbelt and Gatineau Park. Uh, and just counting how many snakes we can find. We're actually, it's more than counting. We're doing a mark recapture study. So we're trying to estimate population size. Um, and yeah, so that's that's the that's the bare bones of what we're doing. Cool. So is it looking at if, like, the more amount of roads and people around, there'd be less snakes? Like, that's the idea? That's what, I, that's what I'm hypothesizing. I'm hypothesizing that with increasing road density, you see smaller snake populations. Based on the data that I got last summer, that's not actually what we found. We found okay. it's sort of not connected. Um, I'm getting a lot more data this summer, though, so we'll see kind of what happens. Um, but, yeah, it's sort of interesting, and, and that it might actually be more interesting, like, if it's not what I think it is like I guess that's kind of the cool thing about science is that like if you're wrong sometimes it's more interesting than if you were just right science (laughs) loves to prove you wrong yeah I'm like please please let me be wrong we'll see what happens with with this year's um this summer's data but yeah last summer's data there was like there was no you know significant 
relationship between road density and, and snake abundance for either species that I was looking at. So. Okay. So we'll was, was the idea, like, because there's more people, there'd be less snakes? Or because there's more cars, maybe there'd be more um, so road mortality? So there's a couple things that could be going on. Like, um, roads obviously, like, destroy habitat, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you have to get rid of the habitat to put a, like, the, the habitat that was there is now road, right? So you have that. And then, it, it so it, like, bisects existing habitats. So, like, animals, if they are in a field and they want to go to a road if they try to cross the road they can get killed um or they might just like avoid the road because of like there's a lot of cars and like a lot of vibration um so i'm expecting that either they're getting killed on the roads or they're just like avoiding areas where there are roads at all which will theoretically would make their their population smaller in areas where you, you have a lot of roads i didn't explain that very well <laughs> no well, i mean i understood it like that was, <laughs> that was good. okay that was good. yeah so i think it either like and, and again there could be a lot of stuff going on with that so it could be like if the, if it's avoidance if it's just straight up like they're getting killed by the roads it's because they're trying to either cross the roads to get to like another habitat or because the roads are like warm so they might be trying to go on there for that reason and then they're just getting hit by a car if it's avoidance that's kind of a little bit more hard to say like it might be affecting the thermal quality of the habitat or like it might be just that there's not enough space left over or there might be like the yeah vibrations from the cars might be like freaking them out and like they don't want to be around where there's 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 cars that makes sense maybe yeah and then, yeah, so, like, road density is also pretty closely connected to urbanization. So it could be... There- so, yeah, so it could be... There could be a lot of stuff going on, and it... it For the actual research that I'm doing, it'll be really hard to untangle the cause of... If, the, if it turns out that there are fewer snakes in areas with higher road density, like, I... The actual data that I'm collecting, I probably won't be able to tell like why. That'll be something for for somebody else to to look into later. That's probably a PhD project. <laughs> somebody else can do that. Yeah, it's a future direction. <laughs> you know, you'd want to look at probably like population genetics and stuff, and and like rogue. I'm not doing rogue kill surveys either, so like I don't actually know how many snakes are getting killed on the road. I'm assume a lot but not necessarily in the areas that, that I'm in. Cause like another thing, so like most of the places that I'm working in are fairly far from a road, even though like I'm looking at road density within, you know, five kilometers or five kilometers, 0.5 kilometers, a kilometer, two kilometers, et cetera. Snakes don't really move that far in their lifetime. So like most of the places that I'm actually working are far enough from a road that they're not going to be directly affected. So I think the effect would be more like they're not getting exchanged from other populations. Like they'd be cut off from other populations potentially with the exception of like the very high urban density sites that I'm at. And those are like basically like the middle of Nepean, <laughs> you know, like there's, there's roads everywhere. It's like, there's, it's just road, road, road. or yeah. Yeah. So those ones I, I would think are probably more direct effect of a road than indirect effect. 
if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. For people who don't go out and catch snakes, do you want to explain how you're you're going out and finding? Yeah, <laughs> this can also be advice for people who want to catch snakes. This is a really you know good way to catch a snake. The best way known to catch a snake in this particular area. So what we do, we we kind of pick a field. It's got to be like a a nice field, like something that doesn't get mowed a lot. You know, isn't being like used for agriculture currently. You want like a nice old field. Um, and then we go and we put, uh, these pieces of plywood, like, um, 60 by 60 centimeter pieces of plywood spaced at 20 meter distances, kind of usually in a transect if possible. So we put those on the ground, we go away for like a week and then we come back, we go come back once a week. Uh, and then we just look under the boards and just grab everything <laughs> that's snake shaped that's, um, under the boards. And like, usually there's nothing most of the time like there's there's more often not a snake than there is a snake but like the boards basically like the sun kind of shines on them they get nice and toasty underneath the board like the the ground under the board is like warmer than the ground anywhere else and like the snakes are like oh hell yeah and they they kind of come and hang out under there and it's safe right like it's a nice place for them to be warm without getting potentially eaten by like a bird or something the way you're describing these make them sound so cozy. Super nice, like nice soft grass. Like the grass kind of dies a little bit. So they're just like really warm and there's like a ton of ants and like slugs and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So so then yeah, we we go back once a week and, and check check under those. And then we kind of like catch anything if we can that's that's in the field that we see that's like not under board. We don't see that many that aren't under under the boards. Um, and they're a lot harder to catch because they're, you know, you usually just see like a tail going in the grass and then it's like you're diving <laughs> for this this animal trying to get it, which is more challenging than than under the boards. Re- really fun to watch someone go after a snake. <laughs> oh, yeah. It just it's like you just drop like on all fours. <laughs> That's insane. Um, we had the other day like it was really hot. Like it was probably should have taken the day off because it was it was just really 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 hot and uh we we're out and like a snake slithered across the path and like both me and my field technician like we're just like oh look at that there's a snake because we were just like too, we were too like our, our brains weren't working right <laughs> we were too way too hot to be like functional we were like oh look at that cool and then we we're both like oh wait, we need to grab that anyway it got away from us obviously because we were both just like huh just watched it go right like it stopped in front of me for a minute and I was like oh cool a garter snake and like didn't catch it anyway it was really really bad I was like okay well yeah it's too hot to work obviously (laughs) right now so you guys were like hallucinating (laughs) yeah yeah there's like that you know little bit you get a little bit dehydrated in the field and it's just like all beds are off and it's like okay this is the importance of like drinking water regularly and like sitting in the shade for a minute this is like basically an ad for for heat you know avoiding heat stroke (laughs) drink your water kids make sure you get plenty of electrolytes (laughs) okay so yeah when you when you do end up catching a snake you mark them too yeah so we give them uh we measure them we find out like if they're big enough to sex we we sex them take you know any notes about like did they have any scars or anything or like are they pregnant that kind of physical information. And then we put a little mark on them. So we, we, we brand them. 
And then hopefully, in theory, when we come back, we will find snakes that we have caught before, which has actually been happening. We have been getting recaptures this year. And I found actually a couple snakes that I marked last summer, which is really cool. I was like, you made it. <laughs> you survived over the winter. I'm like, we kept, you know, counting like the marks. It's like, oh, this is snake like 60. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Like, I marked you in like, you know, June last year. So I'm like, that's, that's, that's awesome that you, you survived. Or actually, it wouldn't be June, but whatever last summer and like that's 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 really good I'm so glad I'm so glad you made it so do you count like scales down you count up from the cloaca the cloaca for people who might not know is the sort of all-purpose hole for excretion and sex (laughs) chickens have them too (laughs) yeah yeah well yeah most animals have them it's like people are kind of a weird exception mammals are weird that we have like separate holes for, for everything can i ask how do you sex a snake yeah that's a really good question um there's two ways we do one way <laughs> i'll tell you both ways then i'll tell you what we do um so one way is to to take like a lubricated probe and insert it into the cloaca and see how far in it goes Um, And the cloacal opening in females is very shallow. So it usually goes like one to two scales deep. Um, And in males, it's quite a bit deeper. So if it can go kind of past that, um, it's a male. And that really only works on animals that are big enough to actually get the probe. The super scientific probe that we use is a um, bobby pin. So to get the probe, you know, you sterilize it, obviously, and, and lubricate it with something so it's not like you're not giving stds to from snake to snake and it's not hurting them i'm getting like Um, alien abduction vibe it is literally an alien abduction like i i've thought this all the time i'm like we're basically taking these things out of the water like probing them putting some weird marking on them and then releasing them and like we're like beaming them up it's it's really bad and (laughs) this is like i'm like (laughs) <laughs> when the humans um, go after the lizard people <laughs> instead of the other way around <laughs> and the snakes are going and telling their friends like oh my god <laughs> at least we're not putting like tracking devices in them they're like beep, 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 beep. like why am i beeping <laughs> so yeah so you, that's that's the way that we do it the other way is called like popping I don't really know how to do this. My supervisor showed me how to do it this summer. He's really good at it. He's done it a lot in his, in his career. Uh, and like, I've tried it and I'm like, I, I can't tell <laughs> how this is working, but that's basically like you take the tail and you take the rest of the snake and you kind of like, sque- like run your thumb up the tail and like squeeze. And if it is a male, the, the hemipenes will pop out. And if it's female, nothing will happen. And I'm like, every snake that I do, nothing happens. And I don't know if they're all females or I just am not doing it right. So I'm like, this is not, this is not worth it to me to do. So basically uh, anything that's like too small to fit the probe in, I'm counting as like a juvenile pretty much. You can also kind of like, theoretically, you can kind of tell by the shape of the tail too. So like males have a really long skinny tail and like females have a much shorter, fatter tail. And like females are generally like bigger and kind of plumper and like sexier. <laughs> That's not males are usually like kind of thin and like gangly, and females are like thick and 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 luscious, <laughs> like spiders. Who actually, <laughs> and 
other animals. That's <laughs> a scientific description. I love it. <laughs> this is, I don't know <laughs> how much of this you want to include. I, I will include everything. I'm not embarrassed by anything, so that's... No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, like I never knew how to sex a snake before. I just like, if it was a really big snake, I'd be like, that's probably a female. Probably a female. Oh yeah, yeah. The females get a lot bigger, but uh, yeah, there is there is an actual like scientific way to do it. And then yeah, you can kind of eyeball it. Like some of the some of the ones like the red belly snakes usually aren't aren't big enough to probe, but some of them are just like they're just like really obviously female. So I'm like kind of putting like female with a question mark. I'm like I'm pretty sure that these are. I probably won't actually include that in my data because I don't have any scientific reason to think this i'm just like i'm like pretty sure and like some of them uh some of the ones we find are are pregnant so those are that's a pretty good guess <laughs> they're, they're female in that uh in that situation you posted a tiktok on how to tell if a snake was pregnant i did yeah it's really uh it, you kind you kind of have to look at them and like they basically they're like really swollen in the abdomen towards the cloaca um as opposed to like normally they're you know there's a little bit of like a tapering there but like they're really really plump like in the in the back end of the snake um when they're pregnant and like if they're super far along you can like feel the babies inside of them and like red bellies again give birth to live young but like i mean they're in like little sacks as is everything when it's um prenatal but uh yeah you can feel like the little like the little sacks i realized that i'm making gestures with my hands that people won't necessarily be able to see in an audio podcast you know like an egg yeah an egg yeah it's a really soft egg yeah yeah so that's how you that's how you tell if they're pregnant if they have like if the 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 thickness is like closer to the mouth then it's 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 food they just had something to eat and it's not digested yet. Sometimes I've accidentally made snakes throw up while I was which was really... Were you doing like a gastric lavage kind of thing? Yeah, it's like you kind of, you hold them a little bit too tightly around the, the front and they're just like, or like, actually, I, th- I think it's more of a defensive thing. Like they're trying to just like gross you out as much as possible. So I, like, I don't think it was actually mishandling. I think they were just like, let me go. <laughs> I'm gonna throw up on you. Yeah, basically, so many animals do that. Oh my god, here's this like partially digested earthworm. Ugh. But uh, fortunately, we didn't we didn't see that too much because it's it's not. Uh, I don't think it's very good for them to throw up. Like I feel like it's it's kind of a one way, should be unidirectional in in snakes. Yeah, and it's not like they eat that often either. So. Yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't feel very good about it. So we're pretty careful about that. So after that happened. And you're almost done your master's, right? Getting there, yeah. Yeah. I've got, uh, let's see, what are we, July? I've got like five, six months left. Yeah, I'm done. Are you excited? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I like my project a lot. I'm having a lot of fun doing it. I really like, and I'm really, really excited to find out what the results are. But I'm also like, I I like finishing projects a lot. So I'm, I'm excited to be, you know, finish, like get the results, write them up, 
defend, write the paper. Like I'm, I'm really, I'm really pumped about doing that. So yeah, no, it'll be so cool to see if it actually is what you expect or it, it's something else. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm also like, I'm also, uh, hopefully going to have enough recaptures to, to estimate population size too. So I'm kind of curious what the, the estimates turn out, uh, to be for that. See the model actually work. Cause right now I don't have enough recaptures to make, the model make any sense like I have you know it just it's it's garbled <laughs> right now it's not really very helpful or informative but your field season uh, will go to the fall right yeah I'll probably be out until October-ish like last year I was getting good data until like around the first week of or like last week of September maybe and then it was kind of it basically like my captures went to zero in like a week over a week because everything started going into hibernation. Uh, and I kept, I was like, well, maybe this is just a fluke. And like kept going to the field. And then I was like, okay, no, there's, there's like the last week that I was in the field, my, my boards were frozen to the ground. Cause it was, it was in the morning. It was like 7am or something. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's nothing under here. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> That's a nice long field season though. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice long, it's a nice long season. So. that's good and like we had or last year i had a lot of captures between like august and september were kind of our best months so so that's uh that's good to be out so if you catch a snake that isn't a garter or red belly like if you catch a ringneck snake kind of thing do you still count them in your study or i don't know so we don't mark those ones they're so i don't know if rare is the the right word well, I guess rare. I've seen two, maybe three ringneck snakes total in the in the two years, like year and a half or however long season and a half that I've been doing this. Two of them were this year, so it's like it's not really worth it to to mark them because like we're not we're not getting those back. Same goes for the other species of snake that we've captured. We like we've also found smooth green snakes and milk snakes, and like milk snakes we don't mark because they're threatened too. So it's like that's a whole that's a separate permit to work with those and it's like it's not really worth it to to like bug them um I do like I keep note of it and I'll I'll report it like well I'll report it to the authorities especially with the the threatened um the threatened species but uh um I'll also like report it in my in my thesis that like yeah we found these other species at like extremely low abundances but they're not counted towards my my total I don't know. I, it is sort of interesting. Like we found, we found seven milk snakes so far this summer is wild. Cause like they're, they're at risk, right? They're super low abundance. They're pretty rare to see. And we found seven so far. And like in uh, most of the ones that we found were in Gatineau park and two of them were at our highest urbanization or like highest road density sites in Gatineau park. So it's like, they're, they're around, like they're basically, they're in like the suburbs of Gatineau, right? Like it's really weird that they're there. It's kind of like, feels a little bit encouraging though. It's obviously like Gatineau Park is protected and like sheltered enough that it's providing habitat for like very rare species, which is really cool. But it was even, even in like a sort of urban, urban area, it's like a little refuge for, for these like really rare species so that's that's very cool that's amazing yeah it's it's so cool like so cool to find them 
yeah hopefully you'll see some more before the field season ends i'm i would not be surprised if we do because we've seen so many at this point i think we've saw maybe three or four last summer and now we're up like oh another question i had when you mark the snakes and if they shed their skin the mark stays the mark stays yeah so it's basically like we basically give them like a little tattoo that like goes down through the 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 skin like to the next kind of layer it's not a a tattoo exactly because we're like we're burning them yeah Yeah, it's it's fine like it's it's not um it's really fast and it's very clean like one of the ways uh snakes one of the other ways that snakes are marked is by scale clipping so you would clip part of the scale off at certain parts of their on their their ventral surface their their underbelly and that like leaves them really open to infection it's it's not super invasive but it's you know it's probably pretty painful um and what we're we're doing is like much faster and it cauterizes the wound instantly so it's it's not uh they don't get infected um and it's pretty it's pretty safe to do and again it's very fast like very minimal time spent doing it so it's kind of it's the best way that we have <laughs> with the technology that we have access to to mark snakes sort of semi permanently. Yeah, better of the two. Like that sounds good. Yeah, yeah. And then like yes, yeah, <laughs> we let some other animals get marked is even more like lizards. They clip their toes off. Which is... We do that for frogs too, and I've never ah. had to do it. But I don't. I I wouldn't feel great doing that. Yeah, I guess there's not really a way that like you can't mark a frog any other way um there's some labs that they get like little trackers they look like little grain of rice right but that's also very invasive so yeah and probably really expensive too yeah and like you're not getting any of those back (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's more like if you find the frog again you can scan it to see if it's the same frog so it's not even a tracker it's more like if you catch the frog again it's it's like what they put in dogs, right? Like to track, not track them, but like if they get picked up by the SPCA, you can scan the dog and you know who it belongs to. Yeah, it's exactly like that. But a lot of those, a lot of those things in frogs probably end up inside garter snakes. But a lot of those, a lot of those things in frogs probably end up inside garter snakes. Yeah, exactly. So we should start scanning snakes. <laughs> oh, that's where that went. <laughs> Oops. I find that's when you read studies that are like, really fun it's like we put trackers in x number of animals and then we like found one in a fox den like <laughs> two weeks later you're like hmm <laughs> whoops it didn't go there by by itself circle of life it's fine it's fine it's natural i also wanted to ask like a six-year-old what is your favorite snake? And also, what do you think is the coolest snake if they're different? Ooh, that's a really good question. So my favorite snake is a ringneck snake. I think they're pretty. <laughs> they're like, they've got, uh, you know, they like, their tail is like bright red underneath. So like, and they do this. Again, you can't see what I'm doing if you're just listening to an audio. They like wiggle their tail to kind of look like a worm. So it's like distracting for predators. And they're fine. They're like, if I lose a tail, it's better than losing my life. And then coolest snake. That's a really good question because there's so many. And like snakes are so versatile. 
and so many around the world. Yeah, and I'm like, cool is local snake. It's probably like the smooth green snake because they're bright green. But like, cool is global. I don't. And like, what? Ah, how do you go? Ah, you're giving me an existential crisis. I'm a big fan of like big snakes. Like, I really, I think they're really cool. I like, you know, I I like um, reticulated pythons a lot. I think they're really neat. They're just like, cause they're just so cute. And like rock pythons are also real. I don't know. I saw a picture of like a rock python eating a gazelle and I'm like, that is just so badass. You don't have any arms or legs, but you're eating like something that's super fast. I don't know. And I think it's cool that like, so apparently when they like constrict, I, I don't know. I like constrictors a lot. I just <laughs> they're very cool like strong <laughs> and powerful and like when they constrict their prey apparently so like when we think about like a, a constrictor kind of you know constricting like a, a mouse or like a rat or something we're like oh it's like suffocating it it's it's like crushing the air out of its body but apparently they constrict so fast and so hard that like they just cause like organ failure. Like it, they don't have time to crush the air out of and like asphyxiate them. Like they kill them basically instantly because they're like rupturing their organs. Which is like the force which which they and I'm like that's really cool. That's so, so if, like they don't have venom or anything. They're just using their body. I don't know. Okay, so I, like I guess coolest snake is probably like like a big python or something. I like py- pythons a lot in that category. Yeah, yeah. Boas are cool too. Like, so you got your pythons and your boas, and like boas have live birth too, and they're kind of neat because like a lot of them have, they still have like a pelvis, little rudimentary like vestigial leggies, like little little like nubs of bone that are still left there. Um, and then some of them, I believe, it's boas have had like self fertilization. So like there's, I think it's, I think it's, it might be a python though. There was like, there was a snake that had been in captivity for like a super long time and she had never been around another snake as long as she'd been at the zoo. She'd been at the zoo for like 20 years or something. And then she just like had babies randomly and they were like, what the, what, what the what? And they're like, oh, they're like clonal basically. Like they're, they can, this is a thing they can do apparently sometimes probably like not a lot in the wild it was probably just something that happens when they're kept in captivity for a really long time but I don't know I think that's interesting also yeah I'm just looking it up it was a yellow-bellied water snake in Missouri okay so it was something I'm completely off (laughs) I thought it was like a python or a boid (laughs) yeah but like it's it's in captivity and like you're right it's yeah like just out of the blue and like there's lizards that do that too but I don't know. I think it's interesting with snakes. But yeah, yeah. So cool a snake is like something like a like a boa boa something in the boa family or something in the python family. Emerald boas, they're really cool. They start like banana yellow and then they're lime green when they like grow up. They're really cute. I'll go I'll go with like emerald if I just just to pick like gun to my head. <laughs> I'll go with emerald boa. Because again, bright green, which is really cool. And also big squeezy boys yeah adorable <laughs> which snakes do you have, do you have i have uh ball pythons which are also pretty cool <laughs> i was talking to somebody about this and like a lot of like fish biologists and like marine biologists have aquariums and i'm like of course like herpetologists have to have herbs at home of course yeah <laughs> the way she goes 
you gotta you gotta keep your studies species close yeah yeah I'm like i have people sometimes ask me they're like how are the snakes i'm like the inside snakes or the outside snakes <laughs> they're both good <laughs> would you consider getting a frog like a pet frog i would i would if it was a rescue yeah i've there's like i don't know i feel a little torn about it because i would love to have one but also yeah. like the poaching and yeah it's pretty bad yeah you can't really like handle it either i mean with gloves they recommend with gloves and like you can't cuddle it or anything but they're still really cool to look at yeah basically like having a fish kind of or like a tarantula or something that like you can't really because like a lot of tarantulas are pretty fragile so you can't yeah i'm rescuing some snails right now though i'm setting up an aquarium for them oh that's cool i love snails i would love to have like i'm not super into fish me neither but like i would have a, a snail aquarium it just snails eat the algae yeah and that would be fine i love seeing the snails that are like super big oh they're so cool i know like i've seen african land snails like not around obviously but like pictures of them and stuff i'm like they're so cool they're huge <laughs> Um, but not legal to own as a pet in Canada because they're super invasive and like very destructive. I mean, they're a giant snail, right? Like they're going to eat everything. <laughs> but yeah, I think if you go like take a snail from the garden, it's it's okay. Yeah, that's what I did as a kid. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, man. We had we had it. We had like a toad for a while. We had like my brother caught like fish in the in the canal and like we had would have them. This is the canal, I guess. Probably the majority of the audience, I think, of this podcast is like you Ottawa people. So the canal in, in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, not the Ottawa Canal. Anyway, yeah, catch like little fish. And like, we keep them and just like observe them for a little while and then release them. And I feel like every biologist that I've talked to had like a similar story. They're like, oh, when I was a kid, I would just like take pond scum like out of the, the or like I would just like find salamanders in the woods and like observe them in a terrarium for like two weeks and then like re-release them into the woods and like the re-releasing is a really important part here we take them we observe them for a short period of time and then we put them back (laughs) that's the and that's you know you gotta put and it's I mean it's probably not good for them anyway there's probably like sublethal effects to being handled for a while but when you're a kid you don't think about that stuff <laughs> the passion sparks and you're like oh my gosh just cr- yeah i'm like just let me be excited about this okay i am putting it back i'm not like permanently taking it away i'm just taking it to study it for a bit and then returning it to the wilderness i i found a salamander when i was pretty little and i wanted to keep it in the garage in a container and yeah. like, i think i got away with it for a day and then the next day my parents were like he escaped <laughs> How can that happen? Ah, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Incredible. I miss it. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know. I'm so, so tempted sometimes. I'm like, I could just take you home. But I'm like, no, that's, it's, 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 I mean, it's against my permits. Like, my permits say I'm not allowed to do that. Secondly, it's unethical. Thirdly, it's just annoying. Like, it's just like, I don't really want to take care of this thing. I'm just like, I kind of just like that, but that impulse, I'm like, I want to have it. <laughs> I just want to take it home so I can have it. I'm like, no, no, just leave it alone. Leave it alone. Like, I see a cool frog or something. I'm like, I want to just like take this home and like keep it in a bucket in my bathroom. I'm like, no, no, you can't. 
or like yeah we caught it we caught a ring neck snake and i was like oh, i really just want to like keep this and i'm like no you gotta let it go it needs to be with its family um <laughs> i feel like everyone who does field work or even not without field work like even if you're in the lab you're just like i want to take this animal home and oh my god yeah 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 I I yeah <laughs> it's super super you gotta fight that impulse (laughs) garter snakes have lost a little bit of their magic for me like i really like garter snakes i think they're really cool they're so versatile like they're they live everywhere in north america basically and like they're different colors in different places and like different populations have different patterns they're really cool um they live like i can't remember they live like in the territories like they're the only reptile that lives in the in the territories i forget i think they live in Northwest Territories and Yukon, maybe. But anyway, they live in like one or one or the other or both. And they're so cool. I'm like, I love them. I'm like, they're so interesting. And I, I I I don't know, I really like them. But handling tons of them every day is like, you guys are so gross. They're so gross. They just like as soon as you pick pick them up, okay. Here's what they do when you pick them up. They musk. So they have like a special substance that they make that just like the point of the substance is to smell really bad. So like predators don't want to eat them. So they must. And then if they have anything in their colon, they poop, (laughs) they poop it out and then they whip their tail back and forth really fast. So they like whip this like stinky poop and musk all over you. And like, it gets everywhere. It's like all over your clothes, all over your hands. Like I smell when I come home from the field, like I smell like, the worst possible thing like i smell so bad at the end of the day and it doesn't go away either like it doesn't come out with soap it's like this this very um like there's pheromones or so i don't know what is in it it's just like this really sticky smell like it, it gets into your skin and like it doesn't it doesn't come out in the shower <laughs> like it stays for days in, in your in your skin and then it's like you kind of get like you know you finish work on friday you kind of get it out by sunday and then like monday you're you're re-anointed with the the smell of the snake so it's like you just kind of have to live with it like i'm actually i didn't catch any snakes today so i'm very pretty good right now <laughs> just like it kind of starts to smell good after like a day though like if you wash and like get the most pungent part of it out and like the poop off like the remaining smell doesn't smell bad. <laughs> I agree with that. Like, I don't find it smells bad anymore. Just having handled enough. It's like, oh, the snake. Yeah, I, it feels like, like, I say there's something, I don't know what it is. Like there's something, there's like a, like some kind of compound or something in it that's very, um, I want to say pheromonal. Like I know humans can't really do pheromones especially but like whatever you know what like you know how they make perfumes out of like the anal secretions of i don't know jungle cats like civets or something or like weasels <laughs> i don't know what a civet is i think it's kind of like a weasel maybe more like a weasel than a cat i don't know <laughs> anal secretions of certain mammals make good bases for perfumes and they're like it smells pretty bad but it's like really sticky and kind of good it's like ambergris too, I guess. Like it's made, it like apparently smells really disgusting, but also kind of good. And it's used to make like super expensive perfumes. And I think there's something, I, maybe I shouldn't say this where people can hear it because people will start trying to like harvest garter snake secretions for perfume. 
secretions for perfume. I don't know if anyone will go that far. It's a lot of work. It would be a lot of work. <laughs> Maybe contact us. I, I want to meet you. Yeah, if, if that's what, you know, if, if people want a business opportunity, my email address is... <laughs> Don't 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 take snake butt juice um, for perfume. No. But if you have to, let me know, and I'll, I'll be a consultant. So I need, I you know, I don't have a job lined up for when I'm done my degree. So maybe this is uh, no, that's not not uh, not a good idea. <laughs> On that note, I also one of my last questions I wanted to ask was, do you have any advice for? any young people who are wanting to get into herpetology or make it as a herpetologist? That's a good, that's a good question. So if you want to do it like as a, as a career, you want some kind of like career in like wildlife biology kind of stuff, do your math and learn how to use like do computer pro learn R basically. If you want to be like a professional in any, any capacity, and R is a statistics software. Yeah, uh, yes, sir. Yeah, R is a statistical software that uh, you need to know how to use if you want to be an ecologist, basically. <laughs> if you're just like a person who's like, I'm kind of interested in reptiles, I don't know, like, I just kind of want to get a, a feel for it. The best thing you can do is like, go outside and start like flipping over as many logs as possible. If you have like a piece of plywood or something, you can leave in like your yard or if like you don't have access to a yard, if there's some kind of like green space that doesn't get um, disturbed a lot, just stick a little piece of plywood in there and like go check under it periodically and see like if there's any snakes under there because they might be attracted to it. But yeah, just like flip over as much stuff, look under everything. Is, is my advice to like people who are just like interested in kind of getting into herpetology the sort of like the naturalist side of it which is the most fun <laughs> yeah flip flip every log and just like fun advice in general because you never know what you'll find the number of like, we find so much stuff that isn't snakes under our boards which is like we find mice and like baby voles and shrews and like caterpillars and praying mantises and like all kinds of stuff so like if you just flip over logs you never know what you'll find it might be cool life motto that's awesome well thank you so much for coming on and talking about your work like i was really excited to have another herpetologist on here yeah this is really fun this is like herp chat do you want Um, to plug in your either instagram or tiktok I forget what my handle is, but I'll tell you all my social media stuff because I have it everywhere. Yeah, so my Instagram is my Instagram is Andrea.jigaroff. Should figure that out. I think that's what my uh, Twitter is also. I'm on Twitter as a jigaroff, all one word. And then my my TikTok is uh, snake.aunt. Just break the break the theme a little bit. I wanted Space Lizard, but somebody already had it. <laughs> like, space Lizard would have been amazing. <laughs> I have to be Snake Lizard 1, and that's not, you know. Yeah, it's not as cool. Um, but yeah, I'm on social media. I'm very approachable on social media. I will answer your questions. If people have questions, I, I try to, like, I'll make a video for you <laughs> if you want. Yeah, and... Yes, I have a very cool TikTok that everyone you should you should check out if you're if you're on that platform. Go see your TikToks. They're really funny and educational. They're perfect. <laughs>
that's that's my goal i can't i can't you know we can't be educated so, actually i have a thing so like i i'm really into psychom and like teaching and stuff like that and my thing is like if you could say something that's like weird and goofy enough that people kind of go like what or like laugh a little bit they will remember it so like saying the weirdest possible stuff is, <laughs> is my goal because i'm like at least it's memorable like you're always going to be like what was that weird thing that she said one time oh yeah and like it'll stay in your brain and i've had like students that i've ta'd in the past like quote like weird stuff that i've said to them like back to me like in the con and like they remember what the lesson was too so i'm like that's awesome like i'm really glad that it's weird that you remember or like it's not weird that they remember it i'm like i know this i'm i'm known for just saying really weird stuff but <laughs> it's memorable anyway I'm, I'm i'm happy that it's it's something that they remember so that's a really good point like even thinking back to professors i've had the ones that are the most memorable and i've enjoyed the most and learned the most in class are like the weirder professors or yeah and they're like funny right it's like i remember jokes about stuff and i like i remember the joke but i also remember like what the joke but like what the point of the joke was i was like it's it was to like explain some like ecological concept and they did this like really weird bit about it and i'm like okay i remember the joke but i also remember like the concept that they were explaining and like i could quote it back to you <laughs> in the context of this joke and understand it right so like that's it's yeah it's good just be goofy look under logs and be goofy look under logs and be goofy <laughs> um yeah okay i'm trying to think of like, like a cheap comment snake care snake care <laughs>